Welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and I'm building an alliance. Let's see, who can join me? I already had Lillian, Hamish, uh, Sean? Wonder Woman! <laughs> Actually, that's better. Yeah, yeah, Wonder Woman. Yeah, this is Sean, very excited about Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wonder Woman! <laughs> I was watching the uh, the 70s um, theme song today. I got um, inspired by it. Very nice. Well, the annual San Diego Comic-Con has come to a close, uh, leaving fans of comics, movies, and pop culture a lot to look forward to. DC really did a great job this year. Uh, today we're going to examine two items that are of special interest to us, the trailers for the fourth and fifth installments of the DC Extended Universe, Wonder Woman yes. and Justice League. Um, or you can call them the best movies ever made. Well, we'll see. Prefer. We'll see. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> no, they are. That's my. That's why I'm calling them. Okay. Now, the first two, of course, were Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. And the third movie, Suicide Squad, is soon to hit theaters in a couple days at the time of this recording. See, I, I always forget Man of Steel is in that, but it is, you know, Dawn of D Justice is kind of the a sequel to Man of Steel, but it's also the prequel to Justice League, so it's kind of right in the middle. Yeah, Man of Steel is where this all started. I, I You could see with Green Lantern, they were trying to build something, and it just had a kind of a false start, really. I mean, they completely abandoned that idea. I liked Green Lantern, I don't know. I didn't mind it, but yeah, you could see it's, it's hard to build your foundation with Hal Jordan in a CGI mess. Yeah, it was a little bit CGI heavy. Can I say something real quick, Scott, about Dawn of Justice? Please. Do not believe the critics, folks. <laughs> I think I mentioned this before. It's a fine film, and the Rotten Tomato, I have no uh, confidence in them whatsoever anymore because it was a very good film, and do not believe the hype by the critics. Thank you. And you're not biased. I mean, you're not even a Justice League fan, right? Oh, not at all, no. Oh, no. I First time I ever heard of him. I don't know. Superman, who's that? Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I got my issues with Zack Snyder movies, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into it as we go along. Yes. And so, let's start with the trailer for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman! Oh, okay, yeah, this is going to get old very quickly. Yes, okay, sorry. All right, I'll, I won't do that anymore. <laughs> It stars Gal Gadot reprising her role as Wonder Woman, of course, after appearing in Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. She was fantastic in that film, by the way. And this movie takes place about a century before the events of that movie, uh, when the immortal Amazonian demigoddess Diana first makes contact with the outside world. Yeah, so this film uh, you know, takes place, like, as you said, like a century before our current time, around World War I, 1918, 17-ish. In our Gregorian calendar. We don't know what the calendar is like on Themyscira. See, I always screw that up. I always call it like Thessalonica. <laughs> so yeah, definitely a good introduction to Wonder Woman. You know, and actually, I'll tell you, Scott. Honestly, I'm going into this t this trailer. Um, I watched it numerous times, but I don't. Of course, I'm a Justice League fan, and I know Wonder Woman, but I don't really know the background too much of Wonder Woman. And I was gonna do lots of research on the characters, and I'm like, you know what? I want to kind of see it fresh. Mm -hmm. And you can see the story, you know, like the origin story, um, without knowing so much about the characters. So I'm sure he did more research on this particular trailer than I did, but I know some of the basics. So Yeah, I mean, we won't, you know, obviously spoil anything. We'll see how they yeah. rewrite her origin story here. But from what it looks like, it's pretty close to the original 1940s Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's what I read. 
Yeah, it's very it's very similar. They didn't deviate too far from it. Yeah, that. which is great. Now, Gal Gadot describes this version of Diana that we'll see here as more of a, a naive and pure idealist. It's going to be very different from the uh, experienced and super confident Wonder Woman that we've already seen in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, she does play a, a pretty major role at the end of Batman vs. Superman. Again, no spoilers for that. Please go out and buy it, or get it from your local Redbox <laughs> if it's out yet. But yeah, she was definitely, you could tell she was a, a very mature person at that point, a worldly person at that point. You really didn't know if you're just a casual viewer that was Wonder Woman until near the end of the movie, I would say. Mm -hmm. Definitely we get a, a good origin, I think, of her character. And there is a little bit of a, um, a spoiler in Batman vs. Superman to this film, Wonder Woman, um, and when it takes place and during World War One, there's a picture that is shown of, of uh, Diana. Yeah, with Chris Pine, uh, Steve Trevor. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is also um, in the picture. That is real. Did Chris Pine play Captain Kirk? Yes, same guy. Oh, oh, I just realized oh, that. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on top of things today, folks. <laughs> yes, so he he's also in the picture and is, plays a prominent role in this film too as Captain Kirk. That's a spoiler. Yeah. Now, the, uh, the story for this movie is by Zack Snyder and Alan Heinberg. Uh, Alan Heinberg actually co-wrote some issues of Justice League of America, and he relaunched the Wonder Woman title after the Infinite Crisis miniseries. He also produced a number of TV shows, including being the executive producer of the CW's Wonder Woman series Amazon, which really never made it past the pilot stage. Yeah, I forgot that existed. Yeah, this isn't so. the NBC one. This is the, the CW attempt at one. Yeah, that, I, I don't even recall that one. Yeah. Now, Alan Heinberg also co-wrote the, the Wonder Woman screenplay with Jeff Johns, who is a comic book writer, of course, and he worked on a mm -hmm. variety of DC titles. Also worked on the TV shows Smallville, Arrow, and The Flash. Yep. So he's, which I'm glad to see they're doing that, getting people who are actually involved in the current productions. Yeah. And not just getting somebody who... Maybe would take the story and not go the right direction with it. So yeah, a good choice for Warner Brothers and DC to get people who are directly involved in the creation of these characters and continuation of these characters. So yeah, I'm impressed by that. In addition to this, Jeff Johns is really, I mean, a bigwig for lack of a better term. He, he serves as the chief creative officer of DC Comics. And as of July 2016, you know, last month as we record this, he was promoted to president of DC Entertainment. Wow, I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's awesome. There was a lot of internal reorganization, I guess, after the, uh, well, let's say mixed reviews of Batman versus Superman. And they, they really wanted to uh, make sure some changes were made in a certain way to ensure the, uh, I guess, safety of this franchise going forward. So definitely uh, making sure Jeff Johns is at the forefront, uh, kind of leading this division of DC. Yeah, that was a definitely a good idea, in my opinion. Yeah. Unfortunately, there was some negative reviews, as I mentioned before, Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> so, uh, But I think they're making, I mean, I think releasing these trailers we're talking about at Comic-Con was a, a great choice. But the way they did it was awesome. It really stirred a lot of excitement for these films and also perfect timing for Suicide Squad, which also is an Affleck. Ben Affleck's going to be in that, mm -hmm. at least to some extent. So good direction they're going in now. I, I Everything I've read about Comic-Con is that the DC trailers were definitely the highlight of Comic-Con. Yeah. So they hopefully they live up to what they look like, but they look awesome. So I, I don't see any problems with that. Yeah, Marvel didn't have too many offerings. I mean, I know they teased the Defenders, 
So, yeah, th- this definitely was the highlight of Comic-Con. Well, they've had a good year of Marvel with their other, you know, films. Maybe they're just kind of going off that as it, at this point, and, you know. Yeah. If it's a bad choice, they didn't do something bigger for the movies that are coming out next year, next couple of years in Marvel, who time will tell. Mm. But definitely DC shined in this one. Warner Brothers shined in this one, so. Now, uh, Wonder Woman is being directed by Patty Jenkins, who is, is most famous for directing the uh, Charlize Theron movie Monster, for which she won an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Charlize Theron, not, uh, not Patty Jenkins. No, yes. Yeah. But uh, she also, notably, directed an episode of Arrested Development. She did? Yes, she directed... Which one? She directed the second episode of season two, entitled The One Where They Build a House. Uh, you may remember it as the episode where George Sr. is arrested in Mexico for selling the cornballer. <laughs> oh, yes, the cornballer. That's yep. so great. And, and of course, yes. famously, uh, Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, also directed a, uh, some episodes of Arrested Development along with Captain America Civil War and Captain America the Winter Soldier. So great uh, pedigree of superhero movie directors coming from a great comedy series, Arrested Development. So that tells you something about Arrested Development. Again, an under underrated series that really should be revived and brought to the big screen. Yeah, another great Just team. Saying. Great ensemble yes. cast right up there with Justice League and Avengers. Yep. So let's get right into this trailer. So we open on a scene at the beautiful beaches of Themyscira where we see uh, Princess Diana, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, like we mentioned, played by Gal Gadot. She's standing over the unconscious body of an American... Captain Kirk. Well, no. kinda. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> an American fighter pilot named Steve Trevor, played by Chris Pine. Yes, our current Captain Kirk. Yes. Now, you say American fighter pilot. One interesting thing I noticed is that that is actually... He has around his neck a, a German medal. Is it a German medal? Yes, it okay. is. Yeah, I, I looked it up. I, I forget which one it is, but it is definitely a German... One of the cross medals they have. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, who knows how it will play? If I mean, maybe they make them German, uh, you know, I, or maybe he's a spy. Who knows? Yeah, that's. I would say the latter. But he's definitely wearing a German uniform or parts of a German uniform. Yeah. For some reason. And he's kind of just washed up on the beach. He's he's in a heavy jacket. You know, he's got that military medal. He's not really dressed for swimming. So something happened where he just kind of washes up on shore. So this isn't like a, a splash with um, Tom Hanks where he <laughs> fell overboard on um, a boat to Cape Cod. He is, yeah, something, maybe his plane crash, I'm assuming, uh, we can assume. And he wakes up to a very nice view he sees, <laughs> this young lady laying over him. Yeah, she, she looks down at him saying, you're a man. And he kind of curiously replies, uh, yeah, don't I look like one? Just a note about, of course, Diana being Wonder Woman and uh, Steve Trevor. They're both from the original run of Wonder Woman, the Golden Age run from the 1940s. I believe Steve Trevor shows up in All-Star Comics number 8, along with a lot of the other characters that we'll see in this movie. And as far as I know about Steve Trevor, he really, I mean, even to the modern day, Wonder Woman has been a a character. Yeah, he's reoccurring. He's a reoccurring character um, that works with Wonder Woman. So, yeah, definitely sticking to the origin story as you mentioned before, of Wonder Woman. Yeah, he's even in the uh, Linda Carter series from the 70s. Yes. Yeah, in fact, yes. there's two yeah. generations of Steve Trevors in, in that show, a father and son, both Steve Trevor. Too much Steve Trevor for my liking, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, we just get okay. one here, which is fine. I like the Linda Carter more than anything else, but, okay. <laughs> so, we next cut to, uh, I guess, an Amazonian meeting place, like an altar of sorts. It's outdoors. It has these three large kind of round or curled statues on pedestals. They look like octopus 
Yeah, almost like tentacles, tentacles. or something. But uh, yeah. yeah, definitely like ancient society influenced. These look like outdoor ancient temples. Built into the rock. Yeah. Kind of out there, yeah. Uh, we cut now to Queen Hippolyta uh, warmly placing her hand on Diana's face, saying, you have been my greatest love. And this, of course, is Diana's mother. She's queen of the Amazons. And she kind of created Diana. She's her mother in that sense. I, I believe in the original origin story, she made Diana out of clay, which was then animated by Zeus. Yes. Yeah, that is the original origin. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering if it was just like a, you know, another guy showed up at the island at one time and they had a little thing and that's the story she gives Diana. <laughs> like, oh, who's my dad? And, oh, well, you know, you're made out of clay. Because uh, I like, killed the guy or something. You know, and wow. dad doesn't play child support, so he's... You know. Much darker origin story. I don't think we're going to get that here. But there are some origins of Wonder Woman where, you know, the clay thing does come into play, but also there are some newer ones where there was a, a guy involved or, or Zeus involved that was directly more involved in her conception, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So, but this is the clay origin. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't even get more than just a brief mention in this movie. Yeah. You know, I, I can't imagine we're going to have a flashback where she's making Diana out of clay, you know. And she has that spinning wheel, you know. Yeah. It's like that scene in, what's that movie? Ghost. Patrick Swayze. Ghost. <laughs> that song's playing and she's spinning her, you know. Yeah. That would be funny. Yeah, don't expect that here. No, it's probably not going to happen. So as this fades out, we next see Steve, Trevor, and Diana. They're now dressed kind of in period civilian attire. They're walking around busy ship docks and then a bustling train station. So we get the idea that she is leaving Themyscira for the first time now. And, and, and as we see this scene, like in voiceover, we hear Hippolyta say, she's kind of continuing in her words saying, be careful, Diana. So we definitely get the sense here. Diana is leaving her home kind of for the first time. And, and obviously this must be a very important cause to, to bring her from this, you know, kind of magical land out into the real world. Yeah. Captain Kirk must have convinced her that something important needed her attention. He needed help. They need to boldly go. Yes. Where no Wonder Woman has gone before. <laughs> so uh, as the music gets really dramatic here, we next see Diana in a blue gown in this ornate ballroom. Uh, we see that those in attendance, they seem to be uh, dignitaries or military officials. We see Danny Houston's character. They're, you know, they're wearing these military medals, and they're kind of yeah. in this formal setting. I'm assuming those are German uniforms. Even the architecture, the design of the room, it, it suggests that they are in Europe right now. Yes. And Hippolyta continues, they do not deserve you. <laughs> and now we cut to a scene where uh, behind Diana's back... She's reaching for this giant sword, which is tucked really not so discreetly down the back of her dress. Yeah, I kind of thought that was odd. Um, <laughs> like, when no one would, they people think it's just an ornament for a dress and not a, a sword. I, you know, she might have tried to go with a clothes back dress for this, to conceal this a little bit better. I guess. But maybe we'll have more details when we actually see it. So from here, we get the, the Warner Brothers and DC logos. They're, they're done in kind of a brushed dull gold color to kind of match the motif yes and uh, we quickly cut to a few more scenes we see a busy lobby we see a lady kind of with a cracked pottery looking mask over her nose and mouth i think i read it that that's supposed to be like a um unfortunately a world war one era prosthesis okay like she had some severe injury obviously and that's the best they could do back then i guess wow was to kind of craft this plastic thing 
half mask and put on slap it on your face. Hmm. So I guess that's what I've read. It's it's pretty realistic for the time period. Okay. And uh, we see Steve Trevor walking past soldiers and an airplane equipped with a machine gun. You know, machines of war during that era. German German plane. Yeah. You can see the cross, Iron Cross. And uh, this cuts to a scene at night with Trevor lying down, kind of opposite Diana. Uh, he asks her, have you never met a man before? What about your father? And Diana replies, I have no father. And uh, we, we next get a brief shot of Diana. She's kind of getting attended to in a cave-like room by what I assume is some sort of Amazonian healer. She must be getting a clay touch-up. I guess. I'm assuming. It's like the Mascara's version of physical therapy or something. Yeah, let's get some mud and slap it on your wounds. <laughs> well, whatever they do, okay. it's working. Yep. And, uh, you know, we cut back to Trevor and Diana. Diana continues, uh, I was brought to life by Zeus. And uh, Trevor kind of takes a moment to silently nod and says, well, that's neat. <laughs> Now, I read something, it, they revealed that Wonder Woman in this franchise, you know, through uh, this movie and throughout the movies that they're building now, she's going to be 5,000 years old. Uh, that kind of makes sense. I think that's an original origins. I mean, she was on the island for a while. I mean, it was kind of, it's separated from the rest of humanity, as we know. So due to the conditions on the island or because of her condition, she's more of a immortal than anything else. Yeah. And so, you know, you could kind of get the sense where if she's been here for millennia and now she's leaving just now you know it's going to be something very very important yeah so we next get a great looking scene of diana on horseback as she rides through the forest at, at kind of dawn or dusk it's kind of you know bluish looking out she drops her dress oh does she yeah she's like she's fleeing from it looks like probably the party where she has killed that guy with the huge sword yeah i'm assuming that's yeah, my you know i'm guessing it's happening <laughs> and you can see her dress fall on the ground yeah, she's now in the, the Wonder Woman costume that uh, that we're familiar with. Yeah. And a great callback to the comics, you know, that, that great cover of Wonder Woman on horseback. And we're, we're definitely going to get this here. Yeah. And we next get a, a scene of an Amazonian archer. She's kind of jumping through the air, taking out a bunch of soldiers holding rifles. That's an awesome scene. Yeah. i got to say, when she's doing that reverse, like, kind of flip and just flies over the uh, the back of the guy with a rifle and just messes him up. Yeah. And this cuts to a scene of General Antiope, played by Robin Wright, leading some Amazons into battle on horseback. And from this, we, we get this battle on the beach. The Amazons are, are fighting soldiers of an invading army. So not only is Wonder Woman going to the war, it seems the war is coming to them on Themyscira as well. Yes. These are not some ladies you want to mess with. Yeah, that's for sure. And so uh, we, we get a couple of more quick cuts of Trevor and Diana together, kind of hinting at a possible relationship here. Love interest. Yeah, and, and we get a close-up of Diana's shield on her back. Uh, we then get some more World War One action and in the woods as the soldiers are attacking. And we get uh, a close-up of Wonder Woman's lasso affixed to her belt. The lasso of truth. Yeah, and it's funny reading about the lasso of truth. The creator of Wonder Woman was uh, a man named William Moulton Marston. Mm -hmm. And he is credited as the creator of the systolic blood pressure test which is one of the components of the modern polygraph. Hmm. Now, people have tried to make a connection like between the lie detector and the lasso of truth. Uh, it's kind of a stretch, but, but very interesting. Very interesting coincidence that uh, the man that created the lasso of truth also created uh, a very key component of the modern polygraph, the modern lie detector. Well, I read that he actually was trying to create the lasso of truth 
and he came up with a lie detector. That is interesting, though, though. Well, the learned gentleman who, yeah, has that connection. Yeah. Known for his, uh, you know, psychology and his inventions just as much as his creation of Wonder Woman, along with his wife's help, for sure. So yeah, we, we cut back to the scene here, and we get a little more back to the soldiers ru rushing into battle, and then back to Diana, and now we see she's fully wearing her Wonder Woman costume. This is, you know, our first best look at it here in the trailer. So uh, what do you think, Sean, of this this look of Wonder Woman? What do, you, what do you think of her costume? I think it looks awesome. I really do. I think it's uh, a good blend of the um, original costume, but, you know, kind of... Not modernized, I would say, but with the metal and just the, you know, looks more like armor. Mm. It's a very good job. I mean, it, it's just an excellent rendition of her, her costume. Yeah, and when you get that look at the lasso, you see kind of her shorts almost look like hammered metal. Yes. It's got that yeah. finish to it. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's these aren't like the Linda Carter shorts as much. They're more like the, uh, you know, the Linda Carter outfit was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Back in the 70s with the, the short shorts and the, uh, you know, Daisy Dukes or whatever they are. <laughs> and the actual outfit. This is this is a battle armor outfit. So, so definitely a good look for her. You know, you could definitely see the Amazonian influence. And I always got I always thought that Wonder Woman kind of had the... She was made more to be like a all-American type of superhero, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, like her colors are kind of red, light, and blue. And it's, you know, it's supposed to be more like that. Whereas this is obviously, you know... The color scheme is still there, but it's definitely she's she's a warrior. She's a you know, there's a funny thing about the old Justice League comic books. And I talked to you about this before, Scott. Like the first ones back in the '60s with the Justice League, they they were very sexist, mm -hmm. some of them. And Wonder Woman was just considered to be actually. There's a number of comics where she's a secretary at the Justice League, <laughs> and she gets to stay behind and and do <laughs> like secretarial oh, work boy. almost. When the men go out and you know do the other stuff. The actual um, crime fighting and justice leaguing, so and I'm glad they kind of really made her made her tough. I mean, she's awesome the way she looks, especially his next few scenes we're going to talk about. Yeah, I, I like uh, you know Superman in this franchise has a, a very muted color palette, and so similar with her, she's not going to have these bright primary colors. It's not going to be like a goofy spandex suit, like you said. It's very much going to be a suit of armor influenced by her origin. But uh, yes. very close to how we see her in the comic books. But, you know, updated, more modernized. And that's the way all the outfits are for the, we'll talk about in a few minutes, for the rest of the Justice League also. Yeah. Are very muted, very, you know, not so much flamboyant out there. Not like the 1997 Justice League <laughs> pilot, <laughs> failed TV pilot. <laughs> These are very much working outfits and, and working uniforms. So very cool the way he did it. Yeah. And so, yeah, we get a scene here where the soldiers are, are firing this shell at her, and she kind of easily deflects it as she's... A, That's an awesome scene. <laughs> yeah, she and she's just advancing across this scarred battlefield alone. Yeah, with the minigun basically firing at her, and she's just deflecting, you know, pushing... The shells are almost pushing her back as they're hitting the shield, but it's bouncing right off. It's awesome. Yeah, and so we next get the words, in 2017... So uh, we cut to Trevor and Diana sitting at a table with two men at a cafe or a tavern uh, as a man walks up to them with a gun drawn. And so quickly, Diana disarms him, having the man's wrist in one hand and his pistol in the other, and then she just throws him across the room. Yeah. And very, very strong. And we cut back to her as Wonder Woman, now in the midst of more World War I battle action. Yeah, it's awesome. And in the midst of this, we also get a brief look at her magic lasso in action, and it has this glow to it. Which is really that, great. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm glad they did that. It was, you could tell there's something special about this The Last Soul of Truth. 
that's the way it was in the comic books, too. Um, and, you know, the animated series have come out for Justice League and whatnot. It's always, like, glowing, you know, and she's basically using it as a weapon, is whipping it around. Whereas a lot of times in the comics, um, as far as I remember, it's not really used so much as a weapon. It's more, you know, to get someone to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you wrap it around, especially in the older Justice Leagues. Maybe she uses it once in a while as a weapon, but she's definitely, you know, wrapping people up in this thing and pulling them down. It, it's really awesome. And she did use it similarly in um, Batman vs. Superman, too. Yeah. Not to get spoilers. But, yeah, great look to it. You know, that that's kind of like what I like about Zack Snyder's influence. He's got a great creative eye, and he makes beautiful-looking movies. You know, and, of course, he's credited a lot here because he's kind of building this franchise. Uh, as far as directing, you know, well, uh, it's a little different. But, yeah, you could, you could definitely see that this is just a, a beautiful look all around. Yeah. And the grittiness of World War One, and just her and the, yeah, it's, it's really cool. So we cut back to the ballroom scene where Diana is in her blue gown, dancing with Steve Trevor, and he says to her, I can't let you do this. And so this cuts to some more quick action scenes, Diana fighting her way through a battle-ravaged European town with her sword and shield, Steve Trevor speeding around on his motorcycle, because, you know, Chris Pine's got to have a little action in here. Of course, yeah. Uh, we see a plane firing on a base, the base that we saw earlier. Uh, there's scenes of soldiers in trenches, really, you know, something you think of when you think of World War One. They're firing on Wonder Woman, who is blocking it all with her shield. Yeah, that's what I referred to a few minutes ago, yeah. Yeah, so great. And uh, we cut back to that ballroom scene where Diana replies to Trevor, uh, what I do is not up to you. Mm. Very much her own person. She's not listening to no man. That's true. That's right. I love this next fighting scenes that come up where she's in the, the small confined area of the room with the soldiers. Yeah. That is just awesome. Yes, yeah, she's pretty much surrounded, and she flies towards one of them, taking him out at the legs, kind of in slow motion. And you can see a scene with Chris Pine and a shotgun, more Wonder Woman on a horse with her uh, with her sword. Yep. More lasso of truth action. <laughs> Horseback, lasso action. Uh, we see bullets are being fired against her, just getting deflected everywhere, even off her shins, I believe, at one point. Yeah. Well, she has a shin guard there yeah. for her armor. And so now, as the beat of the music picks up, we slowly get the Wonder Woman logo making its way towards the center of the frame, along with the title Wonder Woman underneath it. And from here, we finish with a scene with the character Etta Candy, played by Lucy Davis from The Office UK. Yes. She has different color hair, so I, I didn't pick that up right away. Yeah, the hat and everything. It's Yeah, kind of different looking. Dressed very differently from Dawn. Yes. But uh, yeah, she introduces herself to Diana as Steve Trevor's secretary. And so Diana's kind of confused and asks, what is a secretary? And she replies, well, I, I go where he wants me to go, and I do what he wants me to do. And, you know, Steve looks looks on and kind of nods, yeah. And Diana says, well, where I'm from, that's called slavery. <laughs> and as Trevor tries to move them both along, we hear Etta say, you know, like, I really like her. I do. I really <laughs> And so, yeah, so we're going to definitely get some, uh, some comic relief probably from Etta Candy. Uh, we know... Lucy Davis obviously has a you know resume that includes a lot of comedy, so that's good. You know that that's yeah. been a, a criticism so far going into this this DC extended universe is it's taking itself a little too seriously, but uh, it needs to have a little more fun, and I think that's definitely what we're we're getting moving forward. Hey man, uh, Batman versus Superman was very had some very comic moments in it. So again, see Batman versus Superman <laughs> now on DVD and Blu-ray. And Betamax, yes. No, that's not true. <laughs> and 
And the whole thing finishes with the words summer 2017. And from what I've read currently, it's listed as June 2nd, 2017. But, you know, everything's subject to change at this point. So, Scott, will you be seeing Wonder Woman? Oh, yeah. Will you see it in the theater? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not that regular of a theater goer. I mean, I, I love X-Men, but I, I've missed like the last four X-Men movies in theaters. So, you know, yeah. it's that doesn't mean anything for me personally, whether I go to the movies or not. But yeah, oh, definitely I will see this movie. I will see it in the theater on June 2nd. Definitely. Because it looks awesome. Yeah. And I love the tie-ins to, um, again, the other uh, Justice League movies, Batman vs. Superman. I really enjoyed her character in Batman vs. Superman. And yeah, it just looks... I love period pieces like this. You know, I was more of a fan than you were, I think, of the Wolverine origin uh, story. <laughs> the, yeah. Which is kind of a period piece, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets there. You're, you're talking I about mean, X-Men yeah. Origins Wolverine? Yes, X-Men Origins Wolverine. That's a little rough, yes. but yeah. I enjoyed it. I did. Okay. I enjoy, I enjoy seeing origin stories. Yeah, oh, what was yeah. the other origin one? Well, that, well Iron Man's, you know, I, they're all origin, kind of, in a way. Yeah, well, I kind of compared this movie uh, to the Captain America the movie, the first one, the first Avenger. Oh, yes. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. The first Avenger. In that, Steve Rogers becomes Captain America, and he's kind of used as a symbol, and he's kind of ridiculed. He's, you know, put in this goofy costume and used to inspire the soldiers. And then, finally, he goes and he actually does the dirty work. He actually goes out there and fights. Uh, yes. Here, Wonder Woman just kind of just goes right into it. She's kind of a, a one-woman army throughout this whole thing. Uh, really, uh, you know, a lot more fighting. And you know what's interesting, too, is we don't get a lot of World War One movies. No. Yeah. So very, uh, very unique period piece, especially considering that it's a comic book movie. Well, I, I'm very interested to see, like you mentioned, the, uh, alluded to a couple of times already about uh, why she leaves Emaskyra and um, you know what is so urgent that forces her to to leave. Yeah. Most likely without probably against the wishes of her mother and the rest of the Amazonians. So because I know that's a big deal in the comics too, where she you know they. They keep to themselves typically, yeah, and avoid the outside world. So, you know, why is she doing this? What's what's urgent? Is it how is it tie into other movies? Will it tie into Justice League? Is there some kind of threat that we don't see? Will it all tie together somehow in the Justice League movies? Maybe. Yeah, very interesting. So yeah, definitely look forward to that. And that brings us to our second trailer. Uh, our story with Diana Prince continues. As we look at the highly anticipated Justice League. Yes, I was thrilled. I was thrilled to see Wonder Woman trailer, but I was thrilled to see this trailer. And it looks awesome. Yeah. I, you must agree with me. Oh, of course I do. And I'm, yes. I am a Marvel fan first and foremost, but even, even I have to be really excited for a Justice League movie. I mean, these yes. are the quintessential superheroes, finally, uh, assembling in a live-action adaptation of their comics. And I see my prices of my Justice League comic books skyrocketing after this. <laughs> Cha-ching. So, uh, yeah, so Justice League, we've been hearing rumors and talks about it for years. You know, there there were stories about maybe Christian Bale could kind of reprise his role as Batman and kind of continuation Ugh. from that the Nolan trilogy. Uh, that kind of looked like a no-go. And then we got the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds, which was kind of hoping to jumpstart these standalone movies, and then they could build just like Avengers did. Uh, that yep. kind of stopped as quickly as it started, unfortunately. 
And, and the one thing, unfortunately, about this Justice League franchise is, you know, people are going to look at it and say, well, you know, the Avengers did it first. And that's true. Cinematically, Marvel beat DC to the punch. Marvel, Marvel planned yeah. this all out, and they have been executing this almost perfectly. There, there's a couple of movies that aren't up to par, but they all serve a purpose. They're all kind of chapters in this huge arc that they've built, you know, when phases and everything. They do a good job with that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and DC, I mean, this has been more kind of a reaction uh, to that success more than anything else, and it's a shame. Yeah. Because in the comics, Justice League started first. You know, DC yep. came up with this idea of, hey, let's take all of our characters that we are, you know, having great success with and combine them in their own book. I was going to ask you, when did the Avengers first come out? 1963. September 1963 was Avengers number one, where they took their successful characters and combined them into a title. I, I think there was only four Avengers to start. Yeah, Justice League beat the Avengers by uh, over three, three years. years. Yeah, yeah. those Brave and the Bold. 60. Brave, uh, technically, the Brave and the Bulls, yeah, um, were the first introduction of the Justice League. So who were the first Avenger characters? It was Iron Man. Thor, Hulk. Thor, Thor Hulk, and... Ant-Man, I believe. Ant-Man, okay. And the Justice League, let's see if I can figure this out. Flash, <laughs> Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. I think they're their original ones. Uh, yeah, I don't think any other ones got in at, were all after that, like Hawkman and Hawkgirl and all those. Yeah, Green Arrow, Adam, those all came later. Yeah, those all came later. So those are the original ones, which we see most of them in this movie and a couple of additions. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the notable absences. Yes. So the, the screenplay for Justice League is written by Chris Terrio, who won an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay in 2012 for the movie Argo. And so he also wrote the screenplay for Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, based off David S. Goyer's earlier draft. <laughs> Very interestingly, I also noticed, also giving writing credit for this Justice League movie are Joe Shuster and Jerry Siegel, who of course were the creators of Superman. Of course. Bob Kane, the creator of Batman. Yeah. And Bill Finger, who often doesn't get thought of. He's the guy that, along with Bob Kane, created the characters of Commissioner Gordon, Vicki Vale... Also created the concepts of Batmobile and Gotham City. And they get royalties to this day. Yeah, that's great. This movie, of course, is being directed by Zack Snyder, who, as we mentioned, also directed Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. So hopefully he can get this movie in under four hours. Well, why would you want to? <laughs> you know how it's going to end up. This movie's going to be like five hours. He's going to have to... hope it is. He's going to cut it down to two, and then he's going to release it in a... A Blu-ray box set the size of a Monopoly board game, you know, where you get, like, every possible cut. It'll be the first, like, Blu-ray DVD where you have to insert disc two. <laughs> That's so long. So much information on it. Oh, man. It'll stop it right in the middle and you have to flip it over or something. Yeah, like those uh, Lord of the Rings extended cuts on DVD. Yeah. Put in disc two. Like, oh, that's great. <laughs> that's when you know a movie's too long when you have to do that. <laughs> in this day and age. No kidding. So this movie will take place about a few months after the events of Batman vs. Superman, and it involves Bruce Wayne, which of course is Batman, played by Ben Affleck, and Diane... You just gave away his secret identity, you know. Ooh. Bruce Wayne's secret... Come on. Sorry. That's Bush League right there. <laughs> and Diana Prince, Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot, uh, as they recruit metahumans to face the extraterrestrial threat of Steppenwolf, who is searching for three devices called Mother Boxes on Earth. 
or not the band from the 70s? No, not not uh, the Born to be Wild Canadian rock band. That sounds like an episode of uh, like um, Super Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was an episode of Super Friends. They actually fight Steppenwolf. Probably, kind of like how the Harlem Globetrotters showed up on Scooby-Doo and like Kiss right. and everything. Yeah, That's probably one of those uh, Wonder Twins episodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Steppenwolf, a very interesting first villain for this team to face. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I have no real good thoughts about it until I actually see it, I guess. They didn't show them all in the trailer, as far as I can tell. No. I guess keeping it a secret of the appearance and how they're going to portray Steppenwolf is um, going to be interesting. Mm. And I, I think it's probably a good thing that they didn't put it in the uh, the trailer. Because in Batman vs. Superman, Doomsday was in the trailer, I believe, and it got immediately criticized. So, probably a lesson learned. Yeah. Um from that mistake, which I thought Doomsday was very cool looking in Batman vs. Superman, but, you know, you put one scene out there and everybody jumps on your back, so. Yeah. I was of the opinion that with Zod being, like, pale in that trailer, in that kind of Superman-looking uniform, how perfect would it have been to create him as Bizarro? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been cool. It wouldn't have been the exact origin, I know, and everything, but it would have been, like, the closest thing we would ever get. Steppenwolf first, and, you know... But, we'll go up from there. but Steppenwolf, it's uh, it's interesting. He he shows up in DC properties from time to time. He's been in like Superman the animated series, and I think Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh, he is a Jack Kirby creation, dating yes. back to Jack Kirby's New Gods title. He made his first appearance in New Gods number seven, February nineteen seventy two. I, I love the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy is you know drawing on these Jack Kirby creations. Now Justice League. I mean, it shows you why this guy was called the King. Yeah, I mean, he just influences everything. So great. Uh, Most importantly, Steppenwolf is from the planet Apocalypse, uh, where he is the head of the planet's armed forces known as Parademons. And and that's notable because Apocalypse is the homeworld of the villain Darkseid. So we we get the sense that uh, Darkseid is really who they are teasing as the the main villain for this group. That, that's where it's going eventually, and kind of like Steppenwolf is kind of like the mini mini boss. Yes. <laughs> Before you get to you know, Justice League Part Two, which will probably be the more dark side and apocalypse, and you know we'll see more of that at, at, when as it continues. It's just the introduction to that. Yeah, he's uh, um, he's like one of Koopa's kids in Super Mario Three. Exactly. Yeah, he's level three one, three four, whatever it is. And <laughs> this is Morton Koopa Junior. <laughs> I mean, it looks pretty cool, you know, in, in the comic ad- adaptations of them. Uh, Steppenwolf, I- I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Um, so hopefully they, they kind of, I don't see how they could screw it up, but you never know. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> hopefully they don't. I, pr- I personally think they should have just started with Starro. And that Starro thing? Yes. <laughs> from Brave and the Bold? That should have been the first one. That would have been interesting, awesome. yeah. Or have that as a, you know, sub-villain or something. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought they fought as a Justice League, so... That's right, yeah, that's a very valuable issue of Brave and the Bold. Was it number 28? Number 28. Yeah, if anybody has an extra one lying around, send one to Sean. And if you have two, you know, I, I wouldn't mind one. Yep, I have 30 already, so don't don't send me 30. <laughs> I, I'll take it. Send me 28 or 29, it would be perfectly fine. Or if you have a better copy than I have a 30, please send it along. <laughs> Care of hitting play, you can send it over Gmail. Sure, That'd be great. yeah. Thanks. But uh, the mother boxes uh, that that are being sought, those are also, of course, a Jack Kirby creation. In the comics, they are created by an apocalyptian scientist named Himon, 
using Element X. Uh, they are miniature supercomputers that possess powers so amazing, they are not fully understood. Uh, but generally, these powers include things like, you know, like uh, teleportation, the uh, boom tubes, as they're called yes, colloquially. boom tubes. Uh, manipulation of energy, gravity, healing the injured. These are like miracle machines, really. And they do this by tapping into the source, quote-unquote the source, which in the DC universe is hard to explain. It's akin to a cross between reality itself and almost the concept of the force from Star Wars. It's something that permeates all of us in our cells, midichlorians. And it's something, you know, you could joke about it and be like, well, they just ripped off Star Wars and made this thing called the Source instead of the Forest, but it predates Star Wars. Yeah, so really Star Wars ripped off uh, DC. <laughs> I don't know if it's a ripoff, but it's interesting that uh, this is a concept that was created even before that movie came out. Well, you definitely see, especially in, in the some of the, um, of course, the DC newer Justice League stuff, and also the uh, animated series they come out with. Boom tubes are a big thing. Yeah. So that's where this technology, that's how they get from from one place to another. For those Justice Leaguers who cannot fly like Batman. Yeah, out into space. Green Arrow. Out into space. They use a boom tube to get there. So it's it's a technology that has been reverse engineered or taken um, probably by Batman and applied to this purpose. <laughs> Now, what's interesting, on top of all this, and we'll see if this makes it to the movie or not, but in the comics, the mother boxes are also sentient. Yes. Yeah, they, they feel close to their user, uh, self-destructing when their owner dies, and some have even sacrificed themselves for causes they believe in. Hmm. Yeah, so it, they're almost like droids in the, the Star Wars universe. They're not just machines. These things can think and reason and have feelings and emotion and feel a closeness to those that they're connected to. But they're all called Mother Boxes. They're Mother Boxes, yeah. So let's get right into this trailer. Uh, we, we open on an old gray building. It's in a small coastal village where we see a bearded Bruce Wayne, of course Ben Affleck, addressing a group of villagers gathered there. He says, There is a stranger who comes to this village from the sea. He comes in the winter when people are hungry and brings fish. He comes on the king tide. That was last night. It really almost sounds like it was pointed out in an article I read. I think the Hollywood Reporter pointed it out. It's almost like he's telling a fairy tale. Yeah, he's telling them a fable or a story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wonder where this is. I was trying to figure out like where this could be. Somewhere in Canada or a Norwegian or some kind of... Obviously, it's a, a village or a, a society that's kind of away from the rest of civilization. Well, here, here's what I looked up. I Because I wanted to be clear on the term king tide... Yeah. Because we're on the Atlantic coast, Sean and I, and king tide isn't really something we say here. And I, I looked it up, and basically it's a term that generally applies to the highest tide possible for an area. Uh, w like, we would refer to it as a spring tide where we are. Yes, okay, yep. Now, this term originated in the Pacific, starting with Australia and New Zealand. In fact, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says that it's English, but of Australian or New Zealand origin. And it, it's since spread in its usage to North America, and seeing how cold it is, we might even expect this scene to be taking place in the Pacific Northwest, maybe as high up as Alaska. That's that's the feeling I got by the, the scene. The architecture of the building, it seems like it was definitely somewhere remote in the Northwest, or nor Northern Hemisphere, definitely, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the vibe we get here, that, that Bruce Wayne, you know, obviously he's wearing a big coat and everything, he's got the beard, he's traveled a long way, and he's in a very cold place, uh, where the people are having difficulty getting food. I, I 
yeah, I tend to say like Canadian. Yeah, we'll assume it's either British Columbia all the way up to Alaska, possibly as far south as Washington. But yeah, let's assume this is Alaska. Okay, Alaska it is. <laughs> well, that's what we'll go with for now. Yes. One of the people, a large man with long hair, slowly turns around and faces Bruce. And the dramatic music abruptly cuts. And we see who we know is Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa, say, yeah. talk. And what an awesome Aquaman. Yeah. I gotta say. I, I am. I was a little bit leery at first when I first saw the, the shots of this. I think last year they put him out. Yeah, this the production photo of him came out a long time ago. Yes, yeah. And it just looks awesome. I mean, this is the way Aquaman, in my opinion, should always have been. Yeah. Um, Aquaman kind of gets the butt of the jokes in the DC universe because mm-hmm. he's Aquaman. I mean, and he kind of is his other character of Aquaman. And they've kind of changed up a little bit, but his initial character was a guy like in this yellow and green tights, kind of, mm-hmm. and he had blonde hair. And where this is a totally different reimaging of Aquaman. Yeah. And his awesome white eyes. That is just really cool. Yeah, contacts. Really, uh, a chilling stare he can give with those contacts. Yes, it was awesome, awesome, awesome job. And you'll see more pictures of, you know, in, in this trailer, more scenes of him, and he just looks fantastic. Yeah, he seems to be kind of the focus of this trailer. Uh, we, You know, we, we got, like I mentioned, that production photo uh, that came out, it's got to be over a year ago now. Yes, maybe a year and a half so. ago. And it's a picture of him, you know, holding his trident, and it says, Unite the Seven. So he's going to be key in this assembling of the Justice League in some way. But it's going to take a lot of convincing, evidently, to get him on on uh, Bruce Wayne's side here. Yeah. Whereas I don't recall, I mean, the newer versions of Aquaman is kind of the same way with the whole, you know, wants, just like um, the Amazonians want to stay away from society, uh, keep Atlantis away from society and that sort of thing. Yeah. But the older Aquaman, again, the Silver Age and going back to the original comics was more, again, open for anything, so if, as far as I can recall. Um, not so much this let's keep our civilization separate sort of deal. Yeah. Um, and not so hard to convince. So definitely an interesting spin on it and, and keeping to the more modern Aquaman stories. But yeah, just a great, great appearance of this character. It looks awesome. Yeah, he's more of the uh, grizzled loner that we saw, especially like, you know, like the 1996 reinvention of him. I think I even yeah. have an action figure of him somewhere where he's got the long hair and the beard and he's got a he's got a hook for a hand and everything. Yes, yes, the more modern Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. so that's definitely kind of like what we're seeing here. And of course, Jason Momoa, I mean, he's a huge guy, very imposing figure yes. on his own anyway. And uh, yeah, definitely not the the blonde-headed, square-looking guy riding a giant <laughs> seahorse around, you know? He's... And just talking to fish, that's his only superpower. <laughs> like, you don't imagine that Aquaman could beat up, like, Batman back in the 70s. You know, that, that version's like, he can't beat up anybody. He's, you know, he's in the ocean. Yeah. But this guy, as we'll see in the in the rest of this trailer, he's he's bad. I mean, he's just a, a tough guy. You do not want to mess with this Aquaman. No. no. You do not want to mess with this Aquaman. Yes, this is the Aquaman that uh, the character certainly deserves for a live-action adaptation. And he's a nice guy because he brings fish. Yeah, he seems to be kind of a, a tortured soul, a very quiet guy, wants to be on his own, but we see that he does have a good heart, and he does care for people, and that's certainly the, the kind of person that Bruce would want to draw in to help him. Yes. But you gotta think, he probably, you know, he talks to fish, so they probably told him to go and, and die. <laughs> so. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see him use his power in this movie, too. 
I actually saw a video on this or, or something I read about this. Aquaman doesn't actually talk to the fish. His power is to kind of direct their way or direct the way they, they go. Mm-hmm. So he's not like physically talking to them and having a conversation with them, but he's able to kind of maneuver them in the way he wants them to maneuver. So telepathic type of, because fish don't have big enough brains, I guess, to talk. Yeah, it's always been a telepathy thing. I think even in the cartoons, it was always like these white circles coming from the middle of his forehead to the fish. Yes, yeah. So even there, he, he never really talked to the fish. I don't know about in this solo cartoon series. I never really watched that, but yeah. So it would be interesting to see his powers in use here. Yes, definitely. So yeah, just going back to the trailer, you know, he's giving him a second, <laughs> it seems, to talk, and he tells him talk. Now from this silence, the music changes. We get a new piece of music. And this is Icky Thump by the White Stripes. Yeah, that that really got me going because I'm a big White Stripes fan. So I was like, and it goes basically through the entire trailer, which is awesome. Yeah, I heard um, I heard this and I'm like, wow, this is like Sean's ultimate trailer here. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> this next scene where Icky Thump starts, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Perfect music, perfect music. Yeah. And the White Stripes are known for not really giving out their music. Well, maybe they do now, but since... But Jack Way especially, he's very selective, or used to be very selective of who he gives his music out to. So to give that out to the Justice League, he must be a fan. Or was paid very well. Or, yeah, or was paid very well. I think he's a fan of uh, Dawn of Justice. They gave him a mother box full of cash. <laughs> they did. So Bruce begins his pitch to Aquaman. He says, I believe that an enemy is coming. And as he says this, we cut to a scene in the woods where we see that these armored men are burying a metal cube. And we get a brief shot of this cube in a hole in the ground. And this, of course, is a mother box. Now, what do you think the, the origin of these, these men are? Who, where are they from? Well, we, we're not sure. Uh, well, we, we next get a shot of the mother box's point of view with dirt being pitched onto it. Yeah, and, that's what I'm, I'm just seeing I'm looking at right now. Yeah, and, and from there, we kind of get a better look at these guys. Some are wearing horned helmets. One has a spiked crown. They're wearing kind of skirted armor. I've read that these men might be Atlanteans, mm-hmm. and you could definitely see that look to them. Especially with that crown yeah, helmet. Yeah, the crown especially. Uh, the yeah. horned helmet, you know, I don't know. These could be maybe an ancient people. Maybe it's a flashback to Norsemen finding these things and seeing their power and knowing that they have to rid themselves of it. Who knows? First thing I thought was there were the knights that say knee. Bearing <laughs> uh, the mother box. Yes. Or whatever they say now, neck, ecky, 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 you know. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely this is something of great importance. And uh, these men realize this, this society. And well, they just want to get rid of it. <laughs> either, either or. Yeah, either way, they know it's powerful and needs to be buried. Whether it's yep. buried like treasure or buried like, I want this away from me. Let's get this out of here. We'll have to see. They're burying it in Canada somewhere. <laughs> And so Bruce continues, from far away. So he says, I believe that an enemy is coming from far away. And that's definitely a um, directly from Dawn of Justice. And I'm not going to give anything away if you haven't seen it. But it, this is alluded to in Dawn of Justice, let's put it that way. Yeah, there's always this, this looming threat. Especially Bruce Wayne being the one to organize this and start the whole thing. So let's just put it that way. Now, somebody I work with, they made the point that, like, oh, these mother boxes are almost like the Infinity Stones in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, Totally different. Totally, no. These are tokens that need to be collected throughout the series. And, and you you really hope that's not the case, because with the, the looming threats of Thanos on one side, and you got Darkseid here, 
in both franchises about assembled superhero teams, you really wouldn't want that because that would just draw too many parallels. There's enough already. True. Yeah, true. Well, it's going to be perfect when in 2025 they come out with the Justice League versus the Avengers movie. That'd be amazing. (laughs) That's going to be great. So... Anyway, hopefully this whole mother box situation isn't the the overlying arc or the overreaching arc of this uh, this trilogy or whatever, however many it's going to be of this Justice League team. Uh, hopefully this is just kind of one of the missions that needs to be taken care of along the way. Or the or the boom tube will end up, or the mother box, I should say, will end up just being used for that purpose, and will have little little or no significance, and you know, as a, a major power source or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's a way to get to. Um, apocalypse and that's it who knows yeah very plausible that they utilize this technology going forward yes so as bruce continues saying i'm looking for warriors we get a shot of wonder woman standing at the ready with her shield so of course we know (laughs) yep of course we know she's gonna be in it she has an awesome shield too yes oh yeah it has like um glowing leathers on it different shield and bruce continues this stranger And we next see Aquaman chugging a bottle of liquor and standing out there amidst a crashing wave. He's going home. Like I said, you know, he's somebody that's a loner. I like his boots. They look like Aquaman's boots. I kind of brought that back from the previous, uh, (laughs) the first Aquaman, those big uh, boots. Yeah. With the wide tops. Interesting. Well, he can still cut his foot on a shell, you know, so. Well, of course, yeah. It's the same style, you know. (laughs) I like his tats. He has good ink. It's like fish, fish fish scales all over his body. It looks pretty cool. I think those are his real tattoos as well. Oh, really? I believe so. That's probably why they hired him. I know, it's perfect. You look like Aquaman already. Probably figured, hey, let's incorporate this into the look. It's perfect. Yep. And Bruce continues with others like him. So Bruce is saying, you know, this stranger that I just talked about, others like him. You know, implying it's you. and this is, I'm talking about you. So we next get a scene of somebody opening locks on a door. It's kind of hard to see. I'm not sure if this is Bruce Wayne or if this is Barry Allen. But uh, this cuts to Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, played by Ezra Miller, walking forward in a gray hoodie. We'll get a little more of him in a little bit. And then, this is kind of interesting, we get a shot of Victor Stone, a.k.a. Cyborg, played by Ray Fisher, and he's walking in front of his school. Which is Gotham City University. Pretty great. Go GCU. Now, now, it's interesting here. Cyborg is either being shown before the accident that forced him to become Cyborg, or, you know, because his suit utilizes Motherbox technology, maybe he can alter his image. Yeah, um, I, I'm assuming it's before his accident, but who knows? You could be correct, definitely. Yeah, not sure. Now, back at the village, uh, Bruce continues, I'm building an alliance to defend us. It's very important that I see this man. So, basically, you know, we know... Why Bruce is there. He's looking for this guy. Yeah. So we cut now to Barry Allen, uh, a.k.a. The Flash, walking into what we presume is some sort of secret hideout. Turns on the power. Yep. Warehousey type place. Yeah. Graffiti all over the place. Huge array of monitors, all kinds of sensors, radar. And I didn't quite see it, but I've read that you can even see the Adult Swim show Rick and Morty. It is in the background. One of the scenes. Yeah, I did see that. All the books, everything kind of denotes or talks about the Flash's character. Mm-hmm. All the books, you know, basically he's a speed reader, so that's why he's always tons of books. And he's a smart guy anyway. Barry Allen is supposed to be a, you know, like a CSI type guy. So all the computer equipment, as you can see, there's even a, I saw a, um, a theory that there is a, a screen with like a skull on it. Yeah. Kind of looks like a screensaver. That that could be an early version of Gideon. 
which is an AI in you know Arrowverse and other places. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, or it could just be a screensaver. I don't <laughs> really know. Now, to the right of the screen, if you look, you we get a look at the Flash's costume, kind of standing there on its own. Uh, it was pointed out by the Hollywood Reporter that there's wings on the ankles, kind of on the the shoes, uh, re- reminiscent of the original Jay Garrett costume. So that's kind of a, a nice touch. Oh, that's cool. I noticed that. Yeah, and it looks kind of like the um, you know, the same color basically as the Flash in the Flash TV show costume. Very similar look to it. Yeah, a little more metallic. We get a more of an armored look here. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely, we see other versions of it. There is also theories that Bruce Wayne, after the alliance is made here, that he may have done a uh, Tony Stark with Spider-Man-ish mm-hmm. and uh, gave him upgrades to his, his suit. Because it definitely looks different in, in future scenes. Yeah. Now, as Barry walks forward, he finds Bruce Wayne sitting in his chair waiting for him. He says, Barry Allen, Bruce Wayne. And Barry replies, you said that like it explains why there's a total stranger sitting in the dark in my second favorite chair. That was a good line, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. What's his first favorite chair? The one across. You can actually see it. Oh, can you? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's across from Bruce Wayne. I didn't see We're that. We're assuming it's his first favorite chair. It could be another chair in the room. So we get a very quick look at an angry-looking Aquaman, and then we cut to Diana and Bruce Wayne sitting in a room full of monitors and steam pipes. Kissing the Batcave or something like it. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Kind of a funny scene here. Diana asks, uh, he said he'll fight with us? And Bruce replies, eh, more or less. And then she asks, well, more more or more or less? Yeah. And then this cuts back to a very angry Aquaman grabbing Bruce by the jacket, just slamming him into the wall. And uh, cutting back to Bruce and Diana, Bruce clarifies, uh, probably more or less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you can see there's going to be some friction here between getting, like you said before, getting Aquaman and the team. Yeah. In the in the league of, of sorts. And it's funny. It ends with Diana being like, he said no. And Bruce repeats, yeah, he said no. <laughs> so back at that meeting between Bruce and Barry Allen, Barry says, look, man, I don't know who you are, but whoever you're looking for. And then just then, Bruce turns around and throws, I, I guess we can call it a batarang. I'm not sure what they... It, yeah, I, I would, that's, you know, probably the safe bet, Batarang. Yeah, I mean, it's a Batarang type. It, it's sharp, basically. It's like a, almost like a ninja star, but it's shaped like the Batman logo. These aren't the Batarangs that, like, he would use to hit you in the head and knock you out. This would kill you. Yeah. It would, it, yeah, or, it'd stick inside your head. Or do some damage, yeah. And uh, time slows down now as we get Barry's perspective. He looks at it for a moment, puzzled, and then steps aside as the blue lightning of the speed force kind of crackles around him. That was an, this is an awesome scene, the way they did this. Yeah, it's great. And, and as it flies by Barry's face, he kind of notices the bat shape of it. And you can see he has like the surprised look as he kind of puts two and two together. This is actually Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah. Yep. You know, this is a, kind of a big thing for Bruce to do, too. You know, kind of expose himself to this person that he doesn't really know. You know, he's, he's putting it all out there. He's being very vulnerable, giving out his secret identity like this. Which, if there's one criticism, I mean, that's kind of, you know, anti-Bruce Wayne um, in the comics, because he's very protective of his, even with other Justice Leaguers. I mean, eventually I'll know who he is, but there was a, a point for a while where he would wear, like, a, um, a, a lead-shielded mask, so Superman couldn't see who he was, mm. you know. So he was was very protective of his secret identity. So in this one, like you said, he's really just kind of throwing it all out there, and maybe it's... He's just so concerned about this threat that he, you know, it's worth the risk to, to acquire the team. He yeah. has to know he has to be upfront with them right away. So I, I was kind of, you know, again, hesitant about 
Barry Allen in uh, the movie. Just seeing the trailer, I do like the character now. Because I'm so used to the Barry Allen of the Flash TV show. Yeah. But I, I really think that this, this actor's going to do a great job with the character. He just looks the part. You know, kind of nerdy as the next lines we see in the trailer kind of bring out. You know, as he takes the Batarang and Bruce Wayne explains, you know, I'm putting together this team with special people with special abilities. Barry Allen's response is, stop right there, I'm in. Yeah. That's it. You know, just, <laughs> any more explanation. And, and kind of like... It seems like he's going to be the Barry Allen more of the cartoon of the the comics, where he's kind of a wise guy, Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. Whereas the TV show Barry Allen is a nice guy, but not so much of the wise guy, which is kind of missing from that show. I think if there's any criticism of the Flash TV show, Barry Allen is just kind of a you know he's a smart aleck. So this is kind of the same. He has this this personality. It seems like in in the movie. So yeah, hope that carries along. I was thinking about this. You know, you get X-Men Days of Future Past. It really set the bar when it comes to depicting these uh, super speed superheroes in a superhero movie. Uh, Brian Singer knew going into that that they were going to have Quicksilver first before Avengers Age of Ultron had Quicksilver. So they really wanted to knock his scenes out of the park. And it's just amazing, some of those Quicksilver scenes. And along with these movies, we've had this wildly popular Flash TV show. As you mentioned, we've had that for a few years. So I feel like this version of The Flash is just, this guy is under the most scrutiny of any of the heroes in this entire Justice League movie. And, you know, it's too bad because you kind of wish that he had his own chance to win us over, I guess, when he's really behind the eight ball to start. Well, The Flash is such a cool character, too. Really iconic for the Justice League and just, you know, DC in general. And like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of speedster-type characters out there. So I, I'm impressed by the trailer I've seen so far. I like his interaction with the Speed Force, the lightning. Um, what do you think of the that, color? It's okay. I mean, it's bluish. I mean, it probably stands out better than, you know, typically the Flash in the comics is, or in the uh, the TV show, definitely is like a red and a, a yellow type lightning and when he's in the speed force and running but that's also because his unit he has his outfit on which is red and yellow so you kind of get the, i think the the colors of that going into the speed force or whatever however it works that's always i always assumed at least so yeah i don't mind it i think it looks pretty cool i'm just glad it's there more than anything else oh yeah and of course flash has to be a part of this yeah definitely Oh, so just going back to that scene, you know, we get that battering going by his face, and just a great moment where after he kind of puts two and two together, he just slowly reaches out and just plucks it out of the air. And of course, time returns to normal. And so Bruce stares at Barry and says, so you're fast. And he replies, "Uh, that feels like an oversimplification. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we get the scene, like you mentioned, he says, I'm in. You know, Bruce is kind of taken aback. He thought this was going to take a little more. I assume this is after the Aquaman scene? Maybe not. Yeah, this could be first. We don't. I mean, he doesn't have a beard yet, so it's kind of hard to tell. Either way, he thought this was going to take a little more convincing than that. And he's like, you are? Just like that? And Barry kind of hesitates and replies, yeah, I, I need friends. Yeah, so you can tell he's kind of a, uh, a, a loner or uh, more nerdy. He seems, you know, a younger version of Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the ba- Barry Allen we see in the, in the comics typically, and of course in the, um, the TV show is kind of more stabilized where this Barry Allen is a little um we'll see his maybe see more of his backstory you know he's kind of a loner or kind of you know a nerdy guy in in this in the tv show too or it can be portrayed that way and he has a tragic background too where his mother was killed and, you know and all the flash most of the flash origin stuff so mm-hmm. 
Uh, maybe he's just alone because of that. We don't know yet, but you can see. It's like his reaction I thought was pretty funny. Like, oh, okay, I'm just going to. That's where I see by his kind of smart alecky type in this, you know, where he just has this sense of humor where he doesn't have to. He's not super serious, yeah. you know. And Bruce is just like, great. Yep. Seems oh, pretty relieved. There. It didn't have to even get slammed against a wall for that one. <laughs> hey, and if you need friends, who better than the super friends? That's right. Except <laughs> the Wonder Twins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Gleek. I'm guessing that probably, of course, Wonder Woman was the first recruit because she, you know, he knew her from Batman versus Superman. Yes. So the order of after her, either Aquaman, Cyborg, and the Flash, who knows? But we'll we'll see. I'm sure they'll have that, you know, recruitment montage like we're seeing here. Yes. And, and she obviously knew of the plan to try to recruit Aquaman. You know, as we saw that scene of them working together, we assume she was either the first that, you know, joined up with him or very early, at least in the process. And I love the moment here. Uh, instead of shaking Bruce's hand or anything, Barry just holds up that batarang and asks, you know, can I keep this? <laughs> He's kind of like the audience's view of the, jo- you know what I mean? It's like kind of like our character that w- this is how a fan watching the movie, this is how we would feel if we were in this. We would be like, oh, wow, can I keep this? Yeah. So from here, we now cut to Batman in full costume, jumping down into a subterranean tunnel uh, we get Wonder Woman deflecting some sort of strike with her indestructible bracelets. I think that's something we didn't get in the Wonder Woman trailer, is her using the, well, the bracelets. Her, her manacles. Yeah. <laughs> of justice. And we see, uh, we finally see Cyborg now. He's kind of in a half-lit room, and it really accentuates that glowing effect of his eye and his costume. Yeah, pretty cool costume, I gotta say. They really didn't overdo it. Mm-hmm. I like all the sharp angles on it. There, there's definitely no suggestion that he's not mostly cyborg at this or at this point mostly robot yeah uh the glowing chest plate or chest area kind of shows you that but it's not i see a lot of cyborg depictions where he's very bulky mm-hmm. and I, I like how they're not really doing it for with this one it's more he's the same size but just you know obviously a, a robot yeah or a cyborg the power of light in his forehead is kind of cool to make sure he's on yeah yeah so. And so we, uh, we next get a look at the Flash in his costume as he kind of quickly moves out of the way of some sort of laser blast or something it looks like. Yeah, I think this is the, the costume I was referring to a little bit ago, the post-meeting Bruce Wayne, I believe, costume, mm-hmm. where you could see it's it's more like armor Yeah. at this point. Um, you could see it better in the, in the still shot poster of the Justice League that's come out with this poster, but it's definitely it's supposed to be like heat-resistant armor or something like that, materials. That his suit is made out of. Yeah, like anti-friction. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I like the TV costume better. I I like that durable leather look to him. Kind of like how uh, Captain America's costume looks. like Kind of like a durable material rather than armor. I don't know. I'm just not sold on it. I I wish it looked more like the comic book version. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to wait and see the actual him in, in more action. We get this one little quick shot where he's avoiding some kind of blast. And he flashes around. Yeah. And you could see the lightning around him, which I thought was pretty cool. I, I want to actually see him running and see what that effect looks like before I make a judgment on that. But I don't, I don't mind it. I think it kind of goes with the rest of the motif of the uh, rest of the Justice Leaguers. Yeah. We, we could see in the previous trailer in Diana's armor, like we talked about, is very much her costume, but muted and it looks like armor. So um, if they all have that same kind of... It would look strange if there was one Justice League member that had, like, a weird spandex-type suit, I think. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We don't you need know? that. 
they all need to be the same kind of materials and muted colors like we talked about before. So we'll see how it looks, how they do the effects. I think they're gonna it's gonna be okay. Yeah, oh, and there may be a reason for it too. We're not we don't know. You know, I, I like the fact that it showed him, especially in the scene where he jumps back from that blast, where he just is in in one place and then the other place. Yeah. So you really don't see that effect, which I th- I thought was kind of cool the way they did that. Whereas in the TV show, you kind of see the effect of him. The trail of him running or even jumping around, where this one, he's going so fast, you don't even see it. You know, it's like boom, boom, he's different place. Mm. It's a different take on it, which is was kind of cool. Yeah, it's almost how we would see it if we actually witnessed this guy moving around at that speed. Yeah, not the TV version, the, the actual, like, whoa, he's there and he's somewhere else. Yeah. So, we shall see. Yeah. So then from here, we see Aquaman's face as these tides crash around him. Again, another look. Uh, the contact's a great addition uh, to really make this guy look really frightening and that's that's something aquaman kind of needs he needs a little advantage here yes and from here we cut to the interior of some sort of abandoned looking building uh here we see batman cyborg wonder woman and the flash they're entering the room together so uh, we know at least these four have assembled at some point and cyborg turns to batman and says i heard about you didn't think you were real and batman replies i'm real when it's useful hmm i like his suit i like batman's suit and his cowl yeah, it, it's they did a good job with it. It's understated. It's not like anything crazy or ornate. No more bat nipples from the Joel Schumacher versions, which is good. Nope. <laughs> no, just like a rubber suit. You could tell it's like armor weave or some kind of actual material that you would want to be clothed in if you're fighting crime and being shot at. Yeah, it implies some sort um, of Kevlar type material or something. Yeah, and I like the grayish color. I think that's cool. It reminds me of the some of the Batman comics, the mid '80s type stuff, Dark Knight Returns type of. Um, costume yeah which is cool yeah yeah definitely they they've done a great look with him i i think uh even superman i don't mind uh wonder woman we talked about is you know great so i think it's and i've had a little criticism of the flash but overall i mean these costumes have been pretty great yeah they do a good job they're doing a good job with them this looks really i like how he has five o'clock shadow too (laughs) that's something that's always bothered me about batman you know there's gotta be sometimes he doesn't shave how does he keep his you know in his shows he didn't get to shave that day yeah or has a, a longer, this Batman has a longer, um, he has a faster growth period for his beard. So I, in all seriousness, I've heard a lot of good things. I mean, there's a lot of, of goodness coming out of um, Warner Brothers and DC about Ben Affleck. I think he's a really good Batman. At first, I was really um, concerned about it when they announced it, but he's doing a great job with the role. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. He's he's I, won a lot of skeptics over for sure. Yeah, he, he's did a great job in, in Batman vs. Superman. I heard somebody actually say that he's a great Batman, but he's actually a greater Bruce Wayne than his, you know, Batman. He's the best, like, Bruce Wayne there has been so far. He has plays that part really well. Best one I've seen, definitely. And so from here, we smash cut to the Justice League logo. What do you what do you think of the logo, Sean? I think it's awesome. Yeah, I like it a lot. I'm glad they didn't go with the traditional Justice League logo, which is on the comics. Mm. They made their own, and it just looks... I love the font. I, it reminds me of an older, you know, it, it goes back to the older Justice League logo somewhat with the font, the star in the middle. I think it's really cool. Yeah, great, great font, nice style. I, I'm always interested in typography. Uh, love the negative space on the star. Just one star kind of by, by the eye in the sea in Justice. Very understated, very sleek, modern, very cool looking logo. I enjoy it very much. Yeah. So the trailer finishes as we cut back to that beginning scene between Bruce Wayne and Aquaman. Bruce looks him in the eye and says, Arthur Curry, I hear you can talk to fish. And then he kind of gives him a little half smirk, kind of cocks his head. 
And we cut to black. Yep. And so that's uh, the first time we hear his name, Arthur Curry, which is Arthur Curry. Yeah. Is uh, his real name? He's what? He's half human, half Atlantean. Half dolphin, I think. <laughs> he's got some dolphin in there somewhere. I believe his, if I remember correctly, his um, background is his father was some kind of he was human. Uh, I think he was like a lighthouse keeper, mm-hmm. and his mother was a- Atlantean. She was. That's where he gets that side from. Besides that. That's all the background really know of, of Aquaman. It's always half human, half fish. Kind of like Spock, half human, half Vulcan. And fish. Spock is <laughs> half dolphin too, quarter dolphin. Swim long and prosper. He could he could speak to fish also, you know that. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. They should do a crossover. <laughs> well, Chris Pine, that might be a little tricky. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, so from here the, the trailer cuts to black. And we know that this is going to be, they're saying around November... Uh, 2017, again, everything is subject to change, but... So yeah, we can expect Wonder Woman to be out in the summer, and Justice League to be out in the fall. And after these movies, there's talk of a solo Batman movie, with Mm -hmm. uh, Ben Affleck, of course, but he as the director as well. And Ben Affleck, as good as he is as a actor, I mean, he's an even better director. He's really shown himself to be a a, a great uh, filmmaker over the years, so that's just a great prospect. I think it's going to be one of the best Batman movies ever made. Well, we'll see. I say, I say it in all seriousness. I think it's going to be really good. He's also going to be in Suicide Squad. Uh, I think we mentioned before. Yep. A, I'm not sure how big of a role, but he's going to have some kind of role in Suicide Squad. And Jared Leto, too, is kind of rumored to be in Justice League uh, yes, as a cameo. I, th- th- there's all kinds of rumors. There was rumors of Patrick Stewart as Brainiac making an appearance. So we'll see exactly what cameos we get. awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. That would be fantastic. I could see that very easily. A couple other rumors, if we can go to Sean's rumor corner for a second, <laughs> are, are theor- fan theories about these movies or about the whole DC universe. Mm-hmm. First one I heard goes into Suicide Squad. We talked about this the other day, me and you. I heard that a, a big th- fan rumor is possibly that Jared Leto's Joker in Suicide Squad is actually not the original Joker in the, this Batman universe. Because as we saw in... Well, you might have seen screenshots from Batman versus Superman. There is a scene where there is a rot in the Batcave. There's a Robin outfit set up, and it has graffiti scrawled on it. Oh yeah, that's in the trailer. Uh, yeah. It's in the trailer. Uh, he stares at it. Bruce stares at it as like a reminder and says, "You know, ha ha, the joke's on you." Um, so obviously, something bad happened to a Robin at some time in in this universe, and. You can assume that he's either dead or gone, the Robin in question, just maybe Jason Todd. And that the theory is that Jared Leto's Joker is actually Jason Todd, who was either brainwashed by the old Joker or went crazy. Not the original Joker, but a Joker, um, a counterfeit Joker or a second Joker. I don't know if it'll come to fruition. It's just a theory, most likely. And I think it's just because this seems like a younger Joker. I think that's why the theory kind of came out, and it's you know he's tatted up and everything. So I, yeah. I don't know what the validity of it. It could be totally off. I think it just goes to the whole death in the family, and there are some other references to Jason Todd, I believe, becoming like the Red Hood and and really kind of kind of going nuts after becoming after being Robin. So we'll see if that comes to play. It'd be interesting if they did do it that way. Yeah, I give it a probably two out of ten probability of being true, um, <laughs> but it would be an interesting thing. The other theory I heard, which I thought was very interesting, but I, I think even has probably less validity than 
the Robin rumor, is that um, Atlanteans and also Amazonians are actually part Kryptonian. Oh, interesting. Because there is reference to Man of Steel, and actually Batman vs. Superman, I believe, about a Kryptonian scout ship that crashed on Earth many years before anything happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back, you know, thousands of years or hundreds of years at the very least. I'm not exactly sure of the time frame. Would have to be thousands, because if Wonder Woman's 5,000. True. So let's go back thousands of years. A Kryptonian scout ship crashed on Earth, and the rumor is that Somehow the Kryptonians survived and either, you know, crossbred with humans or whatever. And that's where the Amazonians and the Atlanteans came from. Wow. And that Atlantis is actually a, like, a Kryptonian settlement. So take of it what you will. I don't know if it'll come to pass. Again, I give it less validity than my previous one. Probably a 1 out of 10. Really? I I, see, I like that idea. I know. In I the... think it's a cool idea, but yeah. it just raises a bunch of questions. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, talk about a total reboot of everything. No kidding. That would put the new 52 and rebirth and everything else that's going on in DC Universe on its head if they brought that into the continuity. So, uh, you know, and then you ask the questions like, okay, well, then why aren't Wonder Woman and Aquaman affected by Kryptonite? and Or or, or are they? Or, you know, it's just yeah. a whole big thing. So, yeah, interesting. Interesting theories. I like how this movie, Justice League, also talks to, I think it refers to them as metahumans. Yes, which is a term that's also used in, I think, all the Arrowverse. I know the Flash definitely yes. refers to all the people affected by the Flash. The Star Labs uh, particle accelerator explosion are called metahumans. So I like how they keep that terminology consistent. Now, what we should mention is some notable absences in the Justice League. Most notably, Superman. Yeah, I was going to mention that, and I think... I don't think it's going to be an absence. He's in the promotional posters for it. Well, that's the thing. We we see that that picture that's come out, that production photo of all of the characters. Superman is front and center, kind of with a smile. We we haven't seen a happy Superman just yet. And so, uh, yeah, there we go. There's Superman, but he's not in the trailer. And it seems like Batman and Wonder Woman are kind of doing all the work here. So... And I don't want to give anything away from Batman vs. Superman. No, please, no. please go buy it on, <laughs> on DVD or Blu-ray or iTunes also. Or Google Play actually also has Batman vs. Superman. So and you can see for yourself why I say that. Yeah, well, there, yeah, there's a reason why he's not there, but yes. we'll see exactly how he comes to join them. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. Yes, very much so. And, of course, the other absence is Green Lantern. Which I heard is going to be resolved yeah, so I, I'm assuming when they introduce Green Lantern, it's going to be the Hal Jordan Green Lantern, but we, you know, we don't know as of yet. Um, it could be the other Green Lanterns that have come out more recently. Yeah, time will tell. But I think they actually said that for maybe Justice League Two, Part Two. I don't know. Well, see, they're down the road. Yeah, I mean, we know that the extraterrestrials are coming to Earth, as uh, Bruce Wayne mentioned. There's an extraterrestrial threat. Uh, there's mother boxes, which, as you mentioned, have boom tube powers that could bring them into space. So there, there's some sort of link to space in the future. So there's no rush to bring in Green Lantern just yet. You could see why he might be a valuable asset when space comes into play here in the whole story. Uh, I, I got a kind of a list of the, the future movies that DC has in development, and they are the Flash standalone movie in 2018. There's the Aquaman movie. Uh, 2018 as well a shazam movie in 2019 that is going to be awesome interesting i cannot wait for the shazam movie <laughs> or captain marvel 
Well, I, I think they're going to stick with Shazam, not Captain Marvel yeah, for that. Yeah, they're going to stick with Shazam, probably. It, uh, there's a Justice League sequel for 2019, Cyborg standalone movie 2020, and Green Lantern Corps in 2020. So Green Lantern Corps, which is interesting. Yes. Yeah, so that, I don't know, the, the, that idea makes me think, well, maybe because of Ryan Reynolds and all that, maybe they're like, all right, let's wait almost an, a complete decade. Let's remove ourselves like a decade from the Ryan Reynolds movie. And maybe we'll see Kyle Rayner. Maybe we'll see Jon Stewart. Maybe we'll see a female Green Lantern. You know, who knows? Jon Stewart from The Daily Show? <laughs> a little different. Okay. Oh, the Green Lantern Jon Stewart. The architect Jon Stewart. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, of course. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting because the Green Lantern Corps is definitely... And I think that's one of the best parts of the Green Lantern movie was actually seeing the Green Lantern Oa and the Green Lantern Corps, mm. you know, in, in action. So... There's a, there's a lot of, you could do Sinestro type stuff with that. That can go a lot of directions. So yeah. That's really cool. And you forgot about, there's another one coming out in 2022. Did you see that one? No. It's actually the Wonder Twins <laughs> are coming out with their own movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it might be a direct-to-video. We're not quite sure yet. Direct-to-the-waste basket. Yeah. It's gonna, it might be a Netflix or direct-to-video DVD type thing. I'm not sure yet. And also is, you know, the uh, the standalone Batman movie, but that's not really given an assigned date yet but those are the ones that are kind of coming down the pipeline at least in theory you know they're they're planned and there's talks of other ones so yeah uh, it really depends i think how they do yes exactly they'll start you know even but you know even after batman vs superman which wasn't received well by the critics <laughs> and doing air quotes right now mm -hmm. um they still decided to go full steam ahead with everything else so they didn't modify any plans really the only thing I, th I think they did was they kind of toned down Suicide Squad a little bit. Yes. Possibly. So, um, which might not be a bad thing. Get the bigger audience base. It was going to be, I think, R, and they toned it down to be PG-13. So. Yeah, I was surprised at that because I, I thought with, with Deadpool being the highest grossing rated R film of all time, I thought maybe they'd go, okay, well, maybe that's where we need to go. Uh, they kind of went. Uh, they they kind of took some things from it. They realized, yeah, we need a lot more levity in this franchise, in this universe, I should say. Uh, we need to, you know, make it a little happier, a little more upbeat at, at times, get a couple of laughs in there, and have it scary and serious, but fun and funny, too. And yeah. uh, But then when I saw the trailers come out with the PG-13 rating by the MPAA, I was kind of shocked, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was, too. It might be for the better. We'll see. Time yeah. will tell. And I'm sure they'll come out with an R, you know, director's ultimate release when it comes on video. So, <laughs> like they did with Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, now available on DVD. Yeah, but that, that's only because there's that scene where Superman hits his thumb with a hammer and just has a blue streak of cursing. Oh, that's, well, you know, it lasted about five minutes, nonstop. So, I guess he had to make it R because of that. It was weird. I mean, of course, Zack Snyder directed it. It looked beautiful, but it was, uh, yeah, it was an odd scene. Poorly placed in that movie. I'm glad they well, cut it out. It, it was funny too because it was actually Clark Kent who hit his thumb and was cursing, and he was doing it because obviously you know when he hits his thumb with a with a hammer, he's not going to curse because he's he doesn't hurt him at all. That's true. So he had to play it up as Clark Kent. So that's oh, why so it's really over the top. He oversold it. He oversold it because <laughs> you know, you know he was his workmates were around. He was you know doing a it was actually a Habitat for Humanity project. In Metropolis, he was doing. Oh, that's good at least. And he hits his hand. Well, and he, he was being filmed though, you know, oh. TV, and he hits his hand, 
Yeah, just not not a good scene, and just right in the middle of action too. I mean, it skipped from a Batman scene right to this Habitat for Humanity construction, and it was just not very very well placed. It yeah. Didn't flow with the rest of the stories. So they had to cut that, unfortunately. But it's in the director's ultimate edition. Well, at least we get that it, part of that five yeah, hour right. cut. The five hour, well, actually, it's a six and a quarter. <laughs> the sick day edition. The sick day edition. Yes, that's what it's called. <laughs> the Blu-ray um, spindle. <laughs> It's actually the one. Yeah, it's the spindle case. You have the <laughs> discs one through eighty-five Ugh. are in there. Um, anyway, yeah, that's. I'm looking forward to Justice League. Of course, I'll see it in the theater. I'll probably go opening night for that one. Yeah, yeah. So definitely looking forward to these these new movies of this franchise, along with the ones from Marvel, and it's going to do nothing but help comic book sales and other series and other projects get off the ground. Definitely. Yeah. So. Now it just. I I wish, and we talked about this before, I wish there was a connection to the Arrowverse. I think the one big misstep that DC is making is not connecting the TV properties to the movie properties like Marvel's doing. Because they're far and away beating Marvel when it comes to their TV shows. I agree. I I, I don't have any explanation for that. Maybe it's some kind of licensing thing. I don't know, but I, I think it's a big misstep. In some ways, maybe it's will turn out to be a good thing, but I'll I know yeah I very much enjoy Grant Gustin's portrayal of the Flash and the TV show. It'll be a different universe apparently. So you never know they they could bring in an Earth Two storyline and join all these characters together. Who knows? That could be where it's all going. Right now, Supergirl is technically in a different universe than than the Flash. So yeah, and, you know, slash Arrow. So we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll all be joined <laughs> together, and that'll be the twenty twenty thirty film, which is like uh, you know. Infinite Crisis <laughs> will begin then, and uh, that'll be a whole thing. So yeah, for more on those Arrowverse shows, you know, please see the episodes in our archives where we reviewed uh, the Arrow and the Flash pilots. And uh, yeah, and, and so just briefly talking about that, because uh, we, we in those episodes we talked enough about the Arrowverse, but the news came out recently that uh, since Supergirl has moved to the CW, that Superman will be, or at least make an appearance, in the Supergirl show. Yeah. What do you think about season. that? Uh, I like the idea. Um, I hope it doesn't stray too far from Supergirl and, and take the attention away from her. Uh, I think that's what they were trying to stay away from in the first season because there were references to Superman in the first season and they didn't sh- like show his face. They had quick views of him or something. So I don't know. We'll see how it works out. It's a ratings thing. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that's all I could say. I think that has a pretty strong cast of characters with Martian Manhunter and, you know, possibly some re- returning of some of the the villains in quotes fought like um brainiac and you know red tornado so we'll see i think they're really pushing for supergirl to be like the flagship show that's what i've been hearing even as we are recording this this night they aired the the first and second episodes back to back tonight on cw oh really supergirl yeah so they're really pushing it they like it's a good show yeah oh yeah definitely Oh, on cw they show them back to back that's cool yeah it's interesting though that they brought in the cbs show like they're showing season one on cw so which is very cool yeah i'm, I'm glad they embraced that because that, that was head for the chopping block guaranteed if it stayed on uh cbs wasn't going to renew that no and cw thank goodness for them because they saved it so and so to your point uh that you brought out in that flash episode where your theory is that this new season which is entitled flashpoint which is going to you know, mirror the comic book storyline. Uh, yeah. Your theory that maybe the Flashpoint uh, story will culminate with Supergirl joining the Arrowverse 
you know, I hope so. If that's true, then you know maybe Superman makes a couple appearances this season, and Supergirl leaves that universe anyway, and that's the last we see of Superman. So you know, it might just be some guest appearances because Superman in the Arrowverse, you might as well build the Justice League because he's going to be there saving the day all the time. Yeah, yeah, and that's. I thought that was a major misstep. I was very disappointed to see that storyline of when they came out with the crossover of Supergirl. I was excited about the the, the potential of that, mm-hmm. but then they they did the whole oh Barry Allen just came from a different you know different Earth yeah and ended up in Supergirl's Earth. I was like oh come on they put in the same universe, but I I think that I'm really hoping I I think they got to I, I think that now that especially as Supergirl is in the CW family that the Flashpoint's gonna have to that's gonna have to be one of the side effects of having Flashpoint is that the, the combination of the universes and maybe even you know that's a way to get you know some of the characters from the Earth two back in the picture like the Justice Society characters I don't know we'll have to see but I want to see Owl Man as a character because <laughs> he's awesome and jay garrick's you know flash would be cool so i i think that's where they have to go i don't think they can avoid it but we'll see yeah we'll see what they do and so basically dc you gotta get your universes together get your get your yeah get your stuff together <laughs> yeah so one more thing scott that came out this week it's kind of the last minute addition to the show and i i don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this i just want to quickly mention it and give my opinion mm-hmm is, I don't know if you saw it, it's the first trailer of the new Star Trek series, because I'm a big Star Trek fan. Oh, also. yes. Yep. Now has a name. It was unnamed Star Trek series. Um, it's going to be on CBS All Access. The series is called Star Trek Discovery, named after the ship that is the Discovery. The storyline, as far as I could tell, you know, there's not many details, so this is basically right from Wikipedia, or whatever sources I've seen about with the storyline. It's uh, a ship called the USS Discovery. It's going to be timeline. It's going to be on Star Trek Prime timeline. Okay. Since now there are two different timelines or Earths, I guess you could say, for Star Trek now. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is a really great thing. <laughs> um, I'm not being sarcastic at all. So the Prime timeline is the one where, you know, we have John Luke Picard and Next Generation and Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Captain Kirk. That's Prime. And it's a little primer. A little primer. Huh? <laughs> for our star- non-Star Trek fans, the new Star Trek universe is the one that was created off of that first Prime universe, which is, you know, the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek universe. That universe is like a secondary universe because of the events that happened from the first universe. Anyway, this new series takes place in the second uh, the Star Trek Prime universe. Um, it's supposed to be between before Captain Kirk's time, before the original Enterprise time. But after the Star Trek Enterprise series. Okay, so after Bakula, before Shatner. After Bakula, before Shatner. Okay. Before the sh- before the Shat, after the back. Okay, that's what you can think of it. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> um. So I don't know what year you're looking at. I know Enterprise took place like in 2150s. You know, Star Trek the original series is like in the 2200s, somewhere around there. So in between there is where this takes place. Five-year mission of the ship. I don't know anything about the series. The one thing I want to bring out is that they showed... The whole trailer that they showed so far was a ship Discovery coming out of an asteroid. Mm. The ship, in my opinion, looks like crapola. <laughs> Hot garbage. Okay? It's it's based on the old... It was a, 
a Star Trek series that was going to come out if the movies didn't come out. Actually, that kind of morphed into the movies mm-hmm. called Star Trek Phase 2. And this ship is based on some concept art from Star Trek Phase 2 that wasn't used. And it just, you have to watch it yourself, dear listener. Go on YouTube and just type in Star Trek Discovery trailer and you'll see it. I think it looks, the, the ship looks horrid. Just the shape of it and the way it looks. And not even the the shape of the ship, which I think looks bad enough in the way it looks, but the CG is just not good. It just looks like it was done by, you know, a high school student in, you know, some kind of animation software that they would have. It, it, the, the colors aren't great. It's, you know, not very detailed CG. Like, it was kind of just thrown together. That's the impression I got. Maybe it was. I know the creator of the series, which I don't even know the gentleman's name. But I know I've I've read in articles that he actually because there was so much criticism after this came out last week about the look of the ship, which you don't want to tick off Star Trek fans no. at all. That he actually came out in a tweet or some kind of statement that said, "Well, this isn't you know the final look of the ship, or this is basically just draft type stuff, or you know beginning stuff." And if you have to say that <laughs> before the series comes out and we have a trailer that comes out, it's not it's going to be a rocky road. Yes, for sure. So. That's my opinion on that. I, I hope it's good, but of course I'm probably not going to be able to see it anyway because I'm not going to have CBS All Access. <laughs> so it's probably a moot point. Um, I'm not paying for CBS All Access to see the new Star Trek series, which may or may not be good. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I, I'm really surprised there because there was so much stinking hate for Enterprise, the series Enterprise, the, the back series. I love the back. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed that series quite a bit, but... It, you know, Star Trek fans don't like it. I thought it was really good. And I'm surprised they even dared to go anywhere near that series with a new series. It's very yeah. surprising to me. I, I would think it would be like an after the next generation type series. Um, made more sense. Or a series based off of the new Star Trek movies. J.J. Abrams type movies. Yeah, something like some Starfleet series or something. Yeah, like I, down I on know. Earth. It just seems like a money. I, I, it sounds like a money grab to me. Well, it's definitely to bring attention to CBS's new streaming platform. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. It sounds like it's, you know, that's what they're shooting for is, oh, it's throw us, you know, Star Trek nerds will buy anything, so we'll throw us out here and, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And there's there's rumors, too, right now that Big Brother, which is currently in season 18, is going to have a 19th season on CBS All Access in the fall. Usually it's just a summer series, yeah. and that's a ratings juggernaut for the station, and so to bring in an extra season on CBS All Access, you can see where they're really trying to get people to pay attention to it and try the free month or free week or whatever they're going to give out for it. Yeah. It gives CBS a lot of credit for trying to go with an all-access type streaming service like a Netflix, but they're kind of late <laughs> from for at this point. Yeah. Time will tell. I just My first impressions of that just not look good. Um, yeah, well, they got, they got time, and uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what it turns into. Yes, exactly. And that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, things we missed in these trailers, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Sean, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel that actually belongs to Scott in some way, too. You get royalties from that, Scott. But, uh, oh, great. Because he has been on it, and hopefully he'll be on it in the future. It's Three Blind Mice. Uh, if you search for that YouTube channel, we do Minecraft videos. I'm doing one with my son Jonah now which we have to upload some more videos of, so expect to see those shortly. His YouTube channel is called Ender Coder, 
E-N-D-E-R-C-O-D-E-R, and he does Minecraft stuff too. Also, please uh, remember that Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, is now on DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> Go out and buy it, folks. Uh, great film. It makes a great gift. Very nice. Uh, I am on Twitter. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. There, my name is also MC and Friends. And there, I do flip page cartoons, little humorous animations, and you can check my stuff out there. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app. So check us out on those platforms. And if you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel. You can set Hitting Play as a favorite, and you can stream us right from your television screen, right as these episodes are posted. Just keep them going all day long. Yeah. Your cats will enjoy them, if, or dogs, if you have them in the house. Put them on the loop and just let it go. It'll be great. Your neighbors will love you, too. There you go. Well, we have been Sean and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Wonder Woman! Wonder Woman.